my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. there could be the most important event in history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I said, I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. Welcome to the Tales from the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Bob, here with my co-host, Brittany. Hey, guys. What's up? Brittany, how, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. It's a little chilly-jilly, but going pretty good. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I had to go uptown, and uh, as I left, all of the leaves were flying off the trees. And I'm like, oh, it's fall, but it's going to be fucking winter soon. So I went from being very happy to, oh. This is happening. This I'm, is actually happening. Every year yeah. it happens and we're always surprised. It's it's one of those things. It's it's like people who can't drive in Ohio in the winter. Like, this has been happening your entire life. You are 64 years old. There's no reason you can't drive in the fucking winter. Stop going four miles an hour on I-75. That's fair. Oh, but with that being said, Miss Brittany, it has been one thing after the next here recently. So uh, Monday, was it Monday night when I was on the Clyde Lewis show? I believe so. I can't remember. It was either Monday or I think it was Monday. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was an interesting. Vi- okay, so how this all kind of happened is I get a message from Steve Stockton, who's the narrator over at Missing Persons and Mysteries. And he's like, hey, do you know anyone that knows like a good amount about Dogman, like enough that they could fill up an hour? And initially I'm like, um, I mean, I wish I did. I, I don't. Um, <laughs> and then I get to think about it. I'm like, you know, I, I know a good amount about this. And what I don't know are our good friend and researcher and, and, and basically father of the podcast, Matthew Bird does know. So I reach out to him and I said, Matthew, you know, could you help me with this? And he sent over some amazing articles. So shout out to Matthew for helping out. And I was on the, the ground zero show with Clyde Lewis, which was my first radio show appearance, which is very different than a podcast. Cause with a podcast, you know, you can be like, Oh God, fucking damn it. Stop, make a cut and keep going with a radio. You don't have that same buffer. So you have to really know exactly what you're going to say when you're going to say it. And everything went great. And then we had listeners call in at the end of the episode 
And I was very um, surprised to have people asking me questions like, well, Bob, what are your thoughts on this? And I'm like, um, hmm, I need to think about this because on a podcast, you know, I have you. So I can just throw it to you. I can formulate my thoughts and bring it out. But I had like no a, time. Yeah, a split second. And the question was the the werewolves, the dog bank, could these be turpas? Could these be a creation of the human mind? And because we kind of manifested them or wished them into existence, could that be? And I was just like, man, pro, pro, bitch, Maybe. It, bitch, it might be. I don't like it, it was one of those questions because the the egregore conversation has been coming up. Consistently Very consistent for the, for the past year or so. And as we were wrapping up the Randolph County stuff, uh, which if you guys don't know what that is, you got to join the Patreon. We've had a lot of discussions, a lot of behind the scenes photo shoots over on Patreon, but we're wrapping it up. And I'm like, man, this place is just fucking bizarre. Like there's something about this place that you can't, you know, I've been investigating 17 years and I can't quite put my finger on Randolph because we, and again, we'll, we'll do a full deep dive as we get closer to the end of the month about Randolph. But it was one of those things where the egregore conversation comes up there and it's a consistent thing popping up that it pops up over here on the Clyde Lewis show. So it makes me wonder, are we being pushed into that direction topic, that, yeah, that, that direction of conversation? We might bitch. We might be <laughs> bitch. We might be, but it was, it was a huge opportunity. I'm really appreciative of everyone. And we had a bunch of people. Uh, I mean, our podcast numbers went up crazy. We had people joining the group. So I appreciate everyone who, you know, listened and hopefully, you know, they're supposed to have us both on and they have us back in a topic that we can be a little bit more ourselves with. Because when it comes to Dogman and cryptids and stuff, I'm very reserved because there's so many possibilities. With a haunting, it's like, eh, if he was an asshole when he was alive, he's an asshole when he's dead. It's not a demon. But when it comes to like the hellhound discussion, the dogmen, the werewolves, it's one of those weird ones because it goes back to like 2100 BC. Every civilization has a fear or a story about these humanoid like creatures that transform into dogs. Yeah. So it, it was a very, it's a very difficult co- like topic to speak on. And, and I, you know, there's a few experts out there who I did some research, you know, research their papers and stuff. I'm like, man, you really could d- like just have your entire life be researching this one topic. Yeah. And it was very eye opening because, you know, here on Tales from the Dark, we cover so much high strangers, we cover so much weird. It was shocking to me to see like how deep that rabbit hole really went. Yeah, absolutely. So we got some announcements to make this, Brittany. So I'm going to throw it over to you and let the folks know what's happening over at TalesFromTheDark.net right now and what's going to be happening. So right now we have Teddy Roosevelt Bigfoot Hunter up for sale, up for grabs in both black and white t-shirts and in stickers. So head on over to TalesFromTheDark.net and get yours now. Yeah. However. Well, well real quick, let's let's talk Teddy Roosevelt Bigfoot Hunter. And let's talk. So we 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 have this like weird presidential high strangeness yeah. obsession, <laughs> and, and it's funny because that came about as like a, a synchronicity. We had no idea how deep that rabbit hole went until we did the episode presidential high strangeness. And you've got Andrew Jackson hunting for the fucking Bell Witch, allegedly, depending on who you talk to. And then uh, you know, there's just the obsession that Teddy Roosevelt had with the Bigfoot. And it was a very interesting design. And, and I, I always, I talk about this, but it's so hard to approach a new designer and be like, look. This is what I need. I, I understand that you primarily do like very professional artwork. What if I ask you to not do that and create Teddy Roosevelt hunting Bigfoot in the woods? Perfect. I'm in. And, and yeah, and the, the guy that we found, that's been his response. Like, yes, I can definitely do And I haven't felt judged a single time. And it was like the first time that we, we got the Hay Snake shirts printed in Somerset. I'm like... 
thank God Kyle Cadell has the Paranormal Museum here in town and they're used to printing weird shit because having to explain what a hay snake is, is just not going to, it's not going to be a good thing for us. No, no, it's not. But what else do we have coming down the pipeline? So on the 15th of October, not only are you guys going to hear season two of Tales from the Dark True Crime come out, where we just actually announced what this next season's going to be over on the season one recap. Which went up last night, right? Yes. But we are also going to have a limited run shirt, and I'm not going to tell you guys what it is, that will be coming up on October 15th. It is a spooky season themed shirt that you guys have been asking for for a very long time. That's that's all I can say. If you want to know and you will be able to see it over at Patreon early, head on over to patreon.com slash Tales from the Dark. Yep, the $1 tier will get you guys access to a bunch of uh, forbidden episodes, but we'll also get you guys behind the scenes look. And then we had some folks reach out and ask about, you know, ad-free content for the true crime series. The $5 and up tier on Patreon every single day has a ad-free episode that goes up. So there's a lot of content over there at Patreon now. We've really made a lot of changes. We have the Discord server. We have a members-only section over in Discord. We're uploading a bunch of photos that you guys never see over at the Facebook group. There's more reasons now than ever to join the Patreons. So if you guys are interested, you guys want to support the show, you can do it that way or by leaving us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're hearing this on. Absolutely. So apart from that, Miss Brittany, I'm going to go ahead and throw out another announcement. What? What? Because you can't back out. So on the twenty oh seventh of October, <laughs> the twenty seventh of October, I'm being um, bullied into this. You're not. I'm you, actually a hostage. You, you were on. You, Shemalong and Ding Dong. The message where you said you were so excited to go. Where you forced me to play League of Legends and took my phone and then sent it yourself. I would not do that. So we're going to be joined by a fellow paranormal investigator and author Austin Lawrence, and we're going to be doing a Patreon live stream. And we're waiting on final confirmation, but it should be at Prospect Place here in Ohio. And I'm excited because there's not very many places that Austin Lawrence is like, yep, I don't want to go back. Or yes, this place is the real fucking deal. And this is one that ever since Austin started started kind of like running with the Tales from the Dark crew, he's been saying like, you guys got to get to Prospect Place. You got to get up here. It is fucking insane. So we're going to do a full live stream. We'll probably do some stuff on TikTok, but it is going to be the Patreon live stream that we talked about over on Patreon. So why don't you tell us how excited you are for that, Brittany? Because you know you are you're really the paranormal. I'm more in the UFOs and cryptids and, and Appalachia. You're more the paranormal investigator of the group. So why don't you tell us how how excited you are and what has you the most excited? Why are you staring at me? <laughs> no, I actually am very excited to be able to get out again and investigate, especially so recently. Uh, be able to get out in the field again because this uh, mundane life ain't for me, boy. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to talk about one more thing before we get into today's topic. So uh, not last night, the night before. So then what? Wednesday. I know, my, I know my days of the week. I, I passed no, fourth Wednesday. grade. I Wednesday. Pa- I passed fourth grade. No, it was Tuesday night that I did the Gansfield experiment. Yes. Yeah. So Tuesday, I I decide. So it, it's funny. I've been um. If you if you've watched Hellier, you're semi familiar with the Gansfield experiments, where you take the ping pong balls and tape them to your face. Well, every time I watch that scene, I want to recreate that. I, I want to do it. I, and I for some reason, I always have this like weird mental block when it comes to the Gansfield experiment. If you're unfamiliar, basically what you're doing is you're taking away sensory deprivation. Yeah, so you're creating sensory deprivation, and then that prolonged uh, exposure to the white noise and to your senses being deprivated, you start to hallucinate. And so I, I, I want to talk about this because I, I wasn't a believer. Um, admittedly, I, I didn't think that it had 
any merit, any merit to it. And I thought if it does, maybe I'm just not susceptible enough to it. And, and you know, that was my concern And the first, what, 18 minutes, nothing. Yeah. You didn't really have a lot of activity until about 10 minutes in. Yeah. So we did, I did a half hour session. Um, and the first 18 minutes, absolutely nothing. And I'm getting frustrated because I've seen so many YouTubers, so many TikToks, Greg Newkirk did it on Hellier. I've seen so many folks have this wild success when it comes to the Gansfield and I got nothing. And then all of a sudden it was like a switch flipped in my brain where I realized that the red light that I'm holding in front of me. So how it works is you have two ping pong balls. You cut them in half, you cover your eyes, you shine a red light into your eyes. And again, you, you're a pounding white noise. We have uh, these drummer Vic Firth headphones that we use for Estes methods that are completely noise canceling. You're pounding this white noise extremely loud into your, into your ears. And it was an experience about, like I said, about 18, 20 minutes in, I start to see these things moving. And initially I couldn't tell what they were. Um, they were like shadows, but uh, Brittany can kind of remember. Cause it was weird. I would, as the next hallucination would start, I would forget the previous one. So I'm glad I had you there with me to kind of help me remember but I remember like a sea serpent at one point. Um, do you remember anything else from that night? So you started out with a snake and you said it was moving very fast. Then you said there was like a hat man who showed who had three heads and that can morph into mist like energy. Yes. And and that was so I want to kind of back up. So I've, I've been in contact with a bunch of other paranormal researchers lately and other podcast hosts. So I've got a lot of different things in my subconscious and I think that's where a lot of this stuff was coming from. I just wanted to interject there. So you had the the three-headed like hat man that can mer- merge into one and become very tall. Then you had a abyss, like a rift, a dark canyon. Yes, that was bizarre. So uh, this is actually very interesting. So I had that, like it was like a... <sighs> like a river floating through a canyon, but it was like a space abyss, like a, like a crack, like a rift kind of. Yeah. So this is where I, I forgot to tell you this. I got kind of fucking scared. So I'm editing the, the most recent national park mysteries episode for missing persons and mysteries over on YouTube. I add this clip where this, um, th- they, they last saw somebody in this water Canyon. Oh no. And it was quite literally exactly what I saw in that hallucination because the clip was dark and in the, the, the blackness of the clip, it had this like abyss esque thing to it. That was very unwelcoming. I don't know how else to describe it. It just felt very unwelcoming. And it was so weird to have had that in a hallucination the day before I saw the clip. So, so I start to research this a little bit more and guess where this Canyon water bit is where in the Uinta basin. Of course it is. Well, what's even weirder is that you, you also saw a winged humanoid. What probably I'm assuming look like Mothman, but a winged humanoid. Yeah. So it was larger than the depiction of Mothman, like substantially larger. And uh, then you also saw humanoids. And then the one that kind of freaked me out that thought maybe you were about to start having an abduction scenario was the fact that you said you were, it, it felt like you were laying on a table 
with a bunch of people looking down on you. A bunch yes. of human. I, I don't remember if you said they were humans or humanoids. They were humanoid-like creatures. And, and and what was weird about the Gansfield is other people are able to see very distinct details. Like he has a mole on his left hand or something. I didn't get that, but it was like I was sitting on a an operation table and being surrounded by a circle of these things looking down on me. And it was weird because um, it lasted. That was the one that lasted the absolute longest. And yeah, I, I, I have to admit, there is a level of fear that I had with the Gansfield that I haven't experienced in a long time, 10 plus years. Cause I mean, I, I don't really get scared at these locations that we go to. I don't really get scared being in these places in the dark, but I think when it's in your own head, there's a level of fear that you're like, Oh, this, this could be a real thing. Yeah. And it was just interesting because we get out of the Gansfield and you had our, on, uh, our, our envoy running. Yeah. And, that was so freaky. Well, so I get out of the Gansfield and, and, and when I get out, I had like intermittent blindness, which was very scary. Um, cause you, you could like still see the red lights in your eyes and you really, you really couldn't see very well. And, um, I get out and I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling charged. Like I get like the room was like pins and needles on my skin and as soon as I get out, the EMF detector starts going fucking crazy. For the full 30 minutes, this thing did not go off one single time. I, I made it go off just to make sure it was working. And the yeah. only, that is the only time I touched it and it went off. So for anyone who doesn't know, the Envoy has three different sensors. It has temperature change, EMF, and then touch. And then you can use like yes or no. You can use numbers. You can use emotion, like emojis. Yeah. And you can use letters. So I touched it to make sure it was working the entire 30 minutes, not a single thing. The second you get out of that Gansfield experiment, it goes fucking nuts. Well, it gets even more crazy because we we do a spirit box session. We're getting some responses, but the envoy is still just going fucking nuts. So we decide we're doing Estes method. And I, I was feeling drained by that point. I, I didn't want to go under. So you go under. So I'm holding the envoy. And again, I'm not getting any responses as like during the setup, no responses, no, no peaks in EMF, nothing. We go under and, and I start um, asking questions and initially you're answering them through the Estes. And it, it is what I would determine, or I would say is a semi-intelligent conversation. And then I ask just out of nowhere, are you a demon? And then you don't say anything. The envoy says no. It's, you know, we get a spike and it was the second I finished talking. No. And I'm like, okay, well, that's weird. Let me, let me go down this rabbit hole, you know, cause I don't believe in demons. We talked about this. I don't think that that's, I don't think they exist. So I, I said, you know, are you of God? No. Does God exist? No. And it's the second I'm asking these questions, I'm getting the envoy spikes. I start to get this weird cold chill and I'm asking questions. The envoy kind of goes quiet. No EMF spikes, nothing but you start to answer the questions again. And then I was like, well, if you're a demon, you would say God doesn't exist. That's kind of your job, right? The envoy, yes. And I was like, oh, so you are a demon? No. And I was like, are you sure? Then you say uh, no in the, in the clouds or something. In the stars. In the stars. I'm like, oh, you're of the stars. The envoy says yes. And I said, is there anything that we need to know? Is there something to this Gansfield? Or, 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 no, I asked a question. With the Gansfield, are we energizing ourselves or our surroundings to make contact? Yes. And then nothing. 10 minutes, no responses. And as 
the the responses start to die off the room it gets warmer in the room you're not having any responses i pull you out you thought i was like punching the 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 i was really into that estes method because i thought you beat the shit out of couch to get me yeah i was pissed when i came out barely touched it you woke up but it was so interesting because you could feel it you could feel when whatever we were communicating with assuming we were communicating with anything left you could feel when it left and that is such a bizarre if you've never done that before and you've never been into like paranormal investigation, you can't really describe that feeling of when the high strangeness is no longer connecting with you, but you could feel it. And you know when it's done. Yeah. And it was a very, very bizarre feeling, but uh, yeah, that's basically what we've been up to is just weird experiments and trying to connect with uh, something. So with that being said, are you ready to get into today's episode? Yes, I am. Okay. So before we dive into the actual story, I want to play a audio clip for you guys. This is from a uh, eyes on cinema over on YouTube and it's, Amy Rylance talking about her abduction specifically, and then we're going to go through basically all the details, okay? Let's do it. I don't remember being taken, just like I don't remember being dropped off, but I was asleep when it happened. She may have been dreaming, but Amy Rylance says she didn't imagine it when a spaceship landed in her front yard and took her away. Do you believe in aliens or UFOs? I do now. I definitely do now. I believe in it now because I've seen it and I know what I've saw. Amy's friend Petra was also in the house that night and claimed she was woken by a bright light. I've seen Amy in front of me on a beam of light being carried out of the living room window into a really huge ship outside. The only evidence this happened, a torn curtain and a burnt bush, apparently singed by the bright light which carried sleeping Amy out the window. No, I don't drink. I don't take drugs at all. <laughs> I'm just a normal person. So what was your reaction when you saw this? What did you do? Did you reach out to help her? No, I couldn't. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it and I have, I fainted. Next to wake up was Amy's husband, Keith. I freaked out completely. I went mental, running around, uh, screaming for her. But after I believed uh, um, Petra, which I, I did after about five minutes, I called the police. The only physical evidence I have are the marks from, from the, the tests that they did on me. What sort of tests? Just, um, just getting kind of DNA samples and they didn't do anything bad to me so it was wholly a good experience from my point of view. Amy and Keith say no one can explain how she was taken from Meriburrah in southern Queensland and ended up in Mackay in north Queensland, a distance of 800 kilometres, in three hours in the middle of the night. So it doesn't matter if we were all on hallucinogenic drugs and drinking, that still wouldn't put Amy 800 kilometers away they're never going to acknowledge the existence of aliens so what are your thoughts so far miss Brittany? because that i haven't listened to that clip in its entirety but i do love it, the the husband's clap back at the end like hey even if we're all fucking high as shit it doesn't explain how she got 800 kilometers away i was waiting for like the the banger i was waiting for that kind of evidence to be like okay, this is non-refutable, and they definitely provided it. Yeah, so from what we know just from that clip, I find the mark on her very interesting uh, because I've seen similar marks 
um, popping up on Facebook over the past year or so. And it's basically like a triangle. It's three dots that make up a triangle. And what, what I want to bring up about that is I, I do believe that there is a lot of like clout chasing and people that want internet fame. And so they are recreating this. But that symbol specifically has been popping up since the 1940s. So this isn't a new phenomenon. And the fact that she had this on her body, that the news cameras picked it up and showed it on film, kind of adds a little validity as far as I'm concerned into her story being true and what she thinks happened actually happened. Yeah. No, I completely understand that. Okay. So I'm going to start at the very beginning and just kind of jump in whenever, but I, I'm going to basically lay the groundwork and explain everything that happened to Amy Roy Lance. Let's do it. The night of October 4th, 2001 started as a relaxing and peaceful one for 22 year old Amy Rylance and her husband, Keith and their friend Petra. On this evening, they've been having a quiet get together at Rylance's home in small town, uh, Gundii. G-U-N-D-I-A-H, near Tiaro in Queensland, Australia. And Amy ended up falling asleep on the sofa in the living room while her husband slept in the main bedroom and Petra went off to sleep in a guest annex. The previously quiet evening had uh, been interrupted by a storm, a rather fierce one, and at around 11.30 p.m., Petra came into the living room to check on her friend. What she saw there would mark the beginning of a strange sequence of bizarre events that would lead to one of the strangest alien abduction accounts there is. So I, I'm very intrigued by the storm aspect. I, I feel like that's not something we talk about very often is... Weather changes when it comes to high strangeness? Yeah. Yeah, no, I could... I, it all goes back to water, honestly. Yes. I mean, everything about a storm in general is supercharging the air, in my opinion. It supercharges the energy around because you have such chaotic lightning and, and thunder and... Such fast-moving clouds. I, well, I absolutely. I guess think. from real quick from the scientific side, would the elect like lightning? That's energy creation, right? Or, I mean, or am, it's am I misunderstanding not, something? You can never create. Okay, well, well, science mama here, but you can't create energy. Energy is trans is simply transferred from one thing to another. Okay, so. I can't remember the exact science behind lightning, but let's say lightning used um, magnetism, which I know it doesn't, but it might. Uh, let's in this situation, it might. Let's say it used magnetized energy from nearby clouds, from nearby okay. everything, and let's say it's absorbing the energy from those atoms, and then it creates the lightning, and then lightning strikes. That transfer of energy creates what I would consider a liminal space because it takes an incredible amount of energy to create the lightning. Well, let me follow that up with another question. Do you think during that energy transference, that moment of that lightning strikes, could it be scientifically possible to like harness that energy and use that to come in from another dimension, another rift? Could that be used all of that, you know, instant power? I would say so. Okay. And theory, theory, theoretically, yes, I would say so. Okay. I know I'm kind of like all over the place. I just, I guess I, I've never really heard of many UFOs happening during major thunderstorms. And I'm sure we've read about them and they're just slipping my mind right now. But it is an interesting aspect to this story. Because I mean, are you really going to pay attention to like a storm or a little bit of rain? When you see a UFO on your front lawn? Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me about this storm specifically is is it's they're kind of setting the uh the 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 scene like a horror movie. 
like there was a horrible thunderstorm outside. We had a small get together with friends at our home. And like, it sounds like it feels like it's a scene from the movie signs. It really does. So anyway, Petra would claim that upon entering the room, she saw Amy being lifted into the air by a rectangular beam of light and carried through the window outside when there hovered, uh, I'm sorry, where there hovered some sort of enormous disc shaped craft. This panicked the woman and she fainted momentarily after she woke up, she ran to tell Keith about what was happening, but when they went back in the living room, Amy was apparently gone, along with the mysterious object. This left behind a damaged window, and that's when Keith ran outside to frantically search for his wife, but she was nowhere to be found. He then called the police to report Amy missing, still not sure what to make of Petra's hysterical ranting about beams of light and UFOs. So th- that aspect is interesting to me, because a lot of people say they were just trying to get fame, notoriety, whatever. But he even went on record with the police saying, I thought she was going, like she was a crackpot. I thought Petra went crazy. And so I called the fucking cops thinking that she, my wife had been abducted. By and, a person, not yes. an alien. Yeah. And so it's interesting because in a lot of these cases, when you, you have these people who are chasing notoriety or fame, they don't want to involve law enforcement. Not only That's, that, but they instantly jumped to it was aliens. Yes. And this is the first thing that her husband did was I'm calling the police. I can't, I can't do this. Um, so he kind of goes on to say that he, he calls the police to report Amy missing, still not sure what to make of her hysterical ranting. And when the police arrived, they conducted their own search of the property, finding no sign of Amy, but turning up some strange clues, such as a flowering bush outside the window. She allegedly gone out of that seemed to have been warped by an apparent high heat on one side. That was when a phone call would come in that would further propel the case into the realms of the bizarre. So when I first heard of this story, this one I was like, this is when I was like, holy shit, this is insane. Okay. So they get the phone call and like I said, I'm just going to kind of continue with the article, but I, I was thinking about this in like, if this were me and you, what my response would have been. And I probably would have told the police to get lost at this point, like just for the record. So when Keith picked up the phone, he was astonished to hear the voice of a woman who claimed to have found Amy at a gas station. According to this woman, Amy had been found wandering around in a daze and was extremely dehydrated and was babbling nonsensically, after which she'd been taken to a hospital for treatment. Keith asked where she was and was shocked to hear that the woman was calling from the town of McKay about 500 miles away. Okay, here's the thing. How? Okay, just keep going. Which at this point was impossible because it was only been around an hour and a half since the phone call was placed. Yet McKay was an eight-hour drive away. How could this be? The McKay police were notified, after which they tracked down Amy at the hospital, and things get stranger still. So please go ahead. I was just going to say, like, not only is she that far away, but she also had enough time to go to the hospital, or be caught at a gas station dazed, be called into the hospital. That woman that found her able to track down her husband even though she's babbling nonsense, find her husband's phone number and then be able to contact them. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people who harp on the hour and a half, the 90 minutes and they're like, okay, well it's 500 miles. A jet can go 300. It is possible. And in this type of plane, if she boarded at this minute, exactly that she got there within that 90 minutes. Well, like, why wouldn't they just lie and say, 
oh, we saw her at this time and actually she's just visiting a friend. Well, so, so the, 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 the 90 minutes, the aspect of it is the, the counterpoint is what you just said. While, yeah, sure, you could theoretically do that with our, with our technology, possibly. What is this her is motive? This is one. What is the motive? But also- Where'd she get the money? Like you just said, though, she was wandering around, then she was caught. The woman went on record saying, I talked to her for 20 minutes, couldn't understand what she was saying. I understood, you know, I, I think the woman who found her had some sort of a medical background. Said, I recognized she was dehydrated. I sat her down. I gave her some water. We, we, I tried to talk to her, and that's when I realized I have to get you to the, to, to the hospital. I called. There was a 15-minute wait for the ambulance to get here. Then they transported her to the hospital. So that 90 minutes is actually down to like 40. Yes. If that, And the thing was, she found uh, Miss Rylance there. It, she, it wasn't like she wandered in to the, to the gas station. She was found there. So there's no proof of how long she was there before she was discovered. Yeah. Because there was another, uh, a gentleman that went in the gas station who said, I thought she was a transient. I thought she was a homeless person who just was crazy. And that's why she was babbling nonsense. So I avoided her. And that was 10 minutes before the woman found her. Yeah. So again, she, so when you try to establish this timeline, it's very muddy. And of course, in true UFO fashion, the CCTV was on the fritz that night. Of course it was, because why wouldn't it be? Yeah, and, and that's what I found very intriguing about this case was like, it feel it does, I understand how someone says, Bob, this is clearly fake. Like too many picture perfect things with an abduction had to have happened. But this is 2001. Like this was, there, there was a whole lot going on in the world at the, uh, in 2001 that wasn't UFO and ufology, you know, based. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But again, I'm trying to factor this in because we have to, is it really missing time? Because that was what interested me in the case initially was the aspect of missing time that people. Or is it extra time? Yeah. It, 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 is it a, a time warp situation where they took her on this craft to a place where the laws of our time are much slower than theirs. Yeah. And isn't there, was it, I, I read something recently that if you are in a rocket and you travel somewhere, I think you've also told me about this. If you travel somewhere at a certain speed that if you travel are, 10 years, how does, at the yeah, speed how does of, that work? If you travel 10 years at the speed of light, you will be 10 years older. Um, and then everyone in the, on the planet will be, by the time you travel 10 light years back, You'll be 20 years older and everyone you knew will be dead. Something like that. Yeah. and, and Which is actually really fucked up, but still. Well, and, and then if we talk about the, the Bob Lazar theory, the fact that these things have mastered anti-gravity, potential teleportation, there's just a lot of like things that it could or couldn't be here. And I don't know. I, I don't really know what to make of this story so far. What about you? I'm not too sure either. Okay, so Amy would uh, claim that she remembered lying on the sofa in the room, after which her memory jumped ahead to her sitting on a bench of some sort in a large and rectangular, brightly lit room. So I guess at that point, that would be missing time. Like, she doesn't remember anything. About how she got there, yeah. Yeah. So at at this time, there had been a calm male voice that kept her from flying into a panic. And then an opening in the wall uh, appeared, and into the room stepped out a tall, slender figure dressed in a full body suit of some kind and with a black mask over his face. I would be terrified at that point. I would think that they're trying to harvest my organs. Yeah, me too. Uh, After this, the figure told her that they were bringing her back from their journey. 
And then her memory jumped again to walking into a forest and finding her way into that gas station. Okay, so this is another like addition at that point then, right? Because that means that she woke up in the forest, she walked an undisclosed distance to get to the gas station, and then she was found at least 10 minutes after, you know, minimum of 10 minutes after arriving at the gas station. This is definitely one of those where I don't really, it's hard to put your finger on it, but something feels off already at this point in the story. And now it really, really does. I don't know. Because I'm at two sides of this. One, I'm like, this is fucking incredible. This is like the best evidence ever for an abduction. And the other half is like, okay, what's the catch? Because yeah. always, it always feels like there's a catch. and it's, Exactly. I'm glad that you said that because this this should feel like a Betty and Barney Hill situation. And it doesn't. And I don't know why. Well, the other thing that we really do have to factor in, especially like you said earlier with the time period and things like that happening, is that this very well could have been some absolutely unrefutable evidence that was provided by, you know, these people and this experience that they had. And they had to be discredited somehow. And that might be one of the reasons why we don't hear about it. Why people are saying that they took a jet or things like that. Like we are our own worst enemy when it comes to misinformation. No, we absolutely are. And ufologists are like, I've never met someone more anti-UFO than, than, actual, a, than a UFO researcher. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, a hundred percent. Like there, people are so quick to say this didn't happen because she had a Snickers bar. And you're like, what? What the fuck does Snickers have to do with it? What are you even saying right now? That doesn't make any fucking sense, but people are so quick to latch on to the smallest minute detail. And I I don't know. My problem is from an investigative standpoint, something feels off. This, this is still reading like a movie script. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like I said, both ways, my biggest issue with UFO researchers who do do that kind of stuff is yes, you absolutely should dive as deep as you can get all the details you want. But at the same time, I feel like playing on the side of what some people would call crazy, like the craziest like scenario that you can think of is what keeps us personally, me sane when it comes to researching high strangeness. No, I I would agree. Just talk about the what ifs. So let's continue here. Uh, So besides this bizarre tale she was spinning, there was also some unusual physical clues on Amy. For instance, she had some sort of anomalous red marks all over her body and triangular marks on her thighs and heels, and her body hair had grown considerably, as if she had been gone weeks. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. That's interesting. That's very interesting. So a blood test showed that Amy had not drunk alcohol or taken any drugs. So it was a bit hard to know what made this outland, what to make of this outlandish story. Not knowing who else to turn to, Keith would contact Diane Harrison at the Australian UFO Research Network, as well as ufologist Bill Chalker, who uh, who arranged the investigation. And uh, when they met with Keith, Petra, and Amy, they also examined the property where the alleged incident had taken place. So I want to bring up these ufologists because um, 
I know a little bit more background on the story than you do. And they approach this with the you're full of shit mentality. Um, and they even in interviews, they tried to say, no, we didn't. But when I found the early research papers, they was, definitely approached it of this woman. is, is She's either I, I think the initial like f- their opinions were she's crazy. She's making this up um, or it's a mixture. It's, it's, a, it's a hoax. Like it's it's a designated hoax to. They, they, I think the the lead investigator was under the impression like this is to promote a movie or a television show, and they're trying to involve our organization to make us look stupid. And that level of self absorption does kind of run rampant in this community. It sucks. Like, because again, two sides of the coin. Part of me really wishes that we were alive and researching during this UFO craze. Yeah. And, you know, I know 2001 isn't really a UFO craze, but, but still. You're referencing the late 60s, early 70s. Yes. And that mentality grew from that, in my opinion. And yes, I do understand that they have to wade through a lot of bullshit to get to the actual stories. But why sacrifice the emotions of the person involved because it might be a hoax. Exactly. You, when when you take the humility out, you take the person out of the personal encounter. It's just like uh, people. Okay. This is where Appalachia comes in. Because if your grandpappy sits down and wants to tell you a story about the biggest damn bass he has ever seen. Yeah. It was half the size his boat. And, you know, he was a, a little, a little uh, skirmisher. What's that kind of boat called? A skirmer boat? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, probably not. But anyway, anyway, the little small fishing boats. Little rowboat. He's out in the lake. He catches the biggest damn bass they ever seen. Broke his line uh, after he caught it. And he got, no one was around and no one could see it. Yeah. You're not going to sit there and tell grandpappy he's full of bullshit. You're going to sit there and you're going to be respectful and you're going to hear him out. Now, <laughs> you might say, well, grandpappy, come on now. You know, the biggest world record is only like 15 inches. Yeah. And then you have that kind of story. But you are saving your grandpappy's feelings for the sake of not only yourself, but your grandpappy as well. Why can't we have that same kind of mutual respect for people who might be going through these really fucking traumatic experiences? So do you want to know the, my, my actual opinion on this? Yes. Because it doesn't sell. Um, Ufology is a product now. It wasn't a product in the 60s. It was an obsession. It was an infatuation. But now it's a product. And... When you find yourself in the center of an investigation like this one that has media attention, has ramifications for your business, you are going to always want to be the smartest guy in the room. And I see this time and time again with with paranormal investigators, right? Yeah. Where I know I saw this. I know what happened. Yeah, but your mom's grandmother's goldfish is schizophrenic. That rubbed off through the water. The lead paint chips from your grandpa's house got mailed through the mail through the raven when the three-eyed raven landed in King's Landing and Jamie Lannister killed the king. You watch it on TV. You answered the phone. You had AIDS. So when it comes down to it, you're just you're making it up. And it's like, no, first off, you're an idiot and you sound like an asshole. You're not the smartest guy in the room because you think you are and because you can, quote unquote, explain everything. And that's... We, 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 when, when I was growing up, we called it humble pie. Did you, have you ever heard the expression humble yeah. pie? So I grew up playing football and, you know, I was, I was a big boy. Uh, but before I got semi fit, uh, in my high school years, I was, I was, I was a large man and I couldn't run real good. I couldn't, you know, I, I wasn't out there running a four, four forty, but I'd run your ass over on the football field. And we, we had a kid transfer from Piqua who was our rival and this kid was just bullying me relentlessly. Horrible. My coach is like, 
Hicks got there and served him some humble pie. We did an Oklahoma drill, and I leveled this 140-pound running back. Like, it wasn't fair. And it was one of those things, like, it was the coach shouldn't have done it. Looking back, it wasn't the right thing to do. But that kid knew from that point on. Don't fuck with him. Okay, maybe we take the lineman out to steak dinners for a reason. That's what we do. But this happens way too often in the high strangeness field where you everything has to be bullshit. Because everything is bullshit. Let's just be honest. Like like going and hunting for goblins in caves, it's bullshit until it's not. Yep. And you have to always wonder until it's not. And I, uh, while I, I do believe that you need to approach every single investigation with a very healthy dose of skepticism, if you go in instantly saying this is a, not a haunted location, Mothman wasn't sighted here, there was never a craft in the sky, you're right. Not everything can be Mothman, but not everything can be a 50-step research paper about how exactly something happened. Exactly. Well, we saw that in the true crime. Like when Oh, my God, yeah. When you're in a true crime and you're like, hey, these 37 things happen in rapid succession, that's why I'm innocent. It's like, first off, fuck you. No, <laughs> no you're not. You killed your husband and put him into some soap. Let's just be honest with what really happened here. You you literally fed fed these women to other people, so I don't yeah. want to hear it. And it's funny because people ask, like, Bob, why don't you listen to this in this podcast? And, and I, I'm not shitting on any podcast. That's one of the reasons I, I actually enjoy Bro Ohio because they, they approach something from – Bitch, it might be real. <laughs> might not might not be real. Here's some dick jokes. And, and I can consume that type of content. Like, okay, I can appreciate this. But it's when you instantly just shit on somebody's belief. And again, we've talked about this time and time again. This is a extremely personal experience that she went through that, that shattered her reality. And then you have these quote unquote professionals, which again, I hate experts and professionals in the U- UFO field. But you have these folks approaching instantly putting her on the defensive. Like they're attacking her character, attacking her as a person and saying, ah, before I even consider helping you, tell me why, why it's worth my time. Why did you steal a pencil in the third grade? Yes. You stealing that pencil is the reason why you experience this fake abduction. Exactly. So let's continue here. Um, so Harrison said that uh, they found some of the witnesses to be sincere, but they had some major doubts. And she would say uh, this at their examination. Some of the damage on closer inspection seemed suggestive or possible dog damage. So you have conflicting reports right there. Suggestive, mean, meaning that they did it themselves to make it look as if. It was actually a, an abduction intentionally. Or, or dog damage. So you have the far left and far right end of the spectrum. Uh, our inspection of the plant damage also suggested possible prosaic causes, such as heat stress. A plant at the front of the house had similar damage and a healthy flowering bush of the same species was at the window. This was also examined by us at Mount Bassett Lawn Cemetery that had similar damage. A gardener there we spoke to indicated that the species often had random or more extensive damage of a heat stress nature from hot sunlight. The prosaic possibilities for both the screen and the plant damage are only suggestive at this point and further investigation is required. We undertook extensive investigations at the property and the area. Police were very helpful. Put a pin in that. Remind me to come back at the end of this. Okay. Our investigation, uh, ge- sorry, generated many issues and questions which we feel need resolution. In order to assist our interpretations of these events, further extensive investigations were undertaken in McKay, focusing in particular at that area where Amy Rylance returned. These included attempts to reconstruct the circumstances of her return through on-site research. The BP Petrol Service station staff were spoken to with uh, a surveillance videotape that may contain Amy's visit was provided to us by the station owner. This ended up being it was there was nothing on it. 
Uh, this part of our investigation also generated many issues and questions that need resolution if we're able to approach any measure of certainty about the real nature of the events alleged. So it's it's a very it's one of those gatekeeping techniques that we talk about. They make something incredibly difficult to understand for the sake of saying, well, I didn't say she was wrong in case she can prove that she's right, but I never said she was right because I think she's most likely wrong. It's one of those types of situations. Why Why did you want to come back to them saying that the police are very helpful? The police thought this was a fucking joke. And it's hilarious because these UFO researchers really thought the police were like, fuck yeah, UFOs. But in fact, they were like, fuck yeah, get this off our desk and tell this crazy woman to stop calling us. That's what was really going on. And there were several police officers that were like, no, we were wearing tinfoil hats in the break room. Like this, oh this was a God. joke. This was a joke to us. And yet you're telling me a, a, a professional in the UFO field is going to sit here and say that the police are very helpful after that kind of behavior. Yes. And, and again, given the, the history that public servants have with UFOs and ufology in general, I was very, very disturbed by the fact that they said, yep, they were extremely helpful and they were very motivated to help us get to the bottom of this. Yeah, doubt it. Extreme doubt. Now, I have to put this out there. This did occur in Australia. Okay, we don't know. Mannerisms are different, but when you actually have the police officers themselves saying, yes, this happened. We yeah. were making jokes about it. We were wearing tinfoil hats and making fun of this woman. Exactly. And then the evidence is right there. That's all you need to know. Yeah, but I have to preface that because, you know, most of our qualms are with the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. government when it comes to ufology, not with the Australian Air Force, the Australian government. So I don't know, but it doesn't really take a big-brained individual to think that just maybe government cover-ups don't really matter what country you reside in. They're probably still happening. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, so let's continue here. So at this point, Keith, Amy, and Petra all vanished, having already checked out of a hotel where Harrison and Chalker had arranged to meet them. A call on Keith's mobile phone made it apparent that the trio had fled after uh, some sort of mysterious strangers had been harassing them. Harrison would say this of the strange call. In his mobile call, Keith apologized for not being available, but was indicating that they had relocated to an unspecified location after having to flee, um, having fled the area. The primary reason for this, Keith indicated, was that they exclaimed that they had some kind of a men in black experience. So I had to put a pen in that, too, because he never used it from what I was, was able to understand what Keith said. He never used the term men in black that was added by the investigators. That mm, I, I, again, now the investigators do claim that Keith said men in black. He says he didn't. So you, you have to, you know, pick a camp and sit in it. Um, so in this case, Keith was reporting a, a pursuit of their vehicle by a high powered dark brown or black. He again, he said he described it as black. They said dark brown four wheel truck. The nature of this event apparently frightened Keith, Amy and Petra, prompting Keith to attempt to lose the vehicle and eventually leave the area. Uh, this is before the completion of the preliminary report. We have heard from Keith again, and we remain hopeful that they'll get in more direct contact with us. After this, it seems that this, uh, this case, the case kind of fizzles out. The researchers were never able to meet with the witnesses. No new infos come out, and the case is sort of faded into obscurity. What are we dealing with here? Why did the witnesses just suddenly disappear to leave more questions, and where did they go? Was this a real event or elaborate hoax? It seems that only Amy Rylance and her husband and friend know for sure. Why wouldn't you want to do that? If you were really trying to cover it up, why wouldn't you want to do that? And not only that, but doesn't the U.S. actually have ports? Like the U.S. Air Force have ports yes. in Australia? 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of answering our own questions here, but. So I, I want to dissect it. So it, it did feel like there were some words being put in the Rylance's mouths here. And the average person doesn't, you know, the thing, and I found this out firsthand when I made the men in black video, uh, video on YouTube, people kind of expected it to be a Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones esque men in black. And they had no real idea what I was talking about with when we were talking about these men in black experiences. Yes. And so the average person, especially 2001, isn't going to know about these men in black. So they're not going to describe, yeah, we had a men in black encounter. And again, Keith is on record saying he never used that terminology that he felt threatened because he, so the, the story that I was able to find from Keith. And again, the problem is it was, it was a reporter reporting what another reporter had been told by Keith. So it's, it's obscure. It's a line of telephone. Exactly. So I didn't want to pull up the article cause it's one of those, it's, I, you know, heard it from a friend of a friend who heard it from a friend type of situation. Yeah. But Keith said that he, they came to the hotel and there was a gentleman at the front door and they assumed it was like a, a bell hop. And, um, she, Amy walks up and the, the man says, Amy Riley, it's, I presume. I'll and, fight you right now. And, and so she panics and runs back to the car to get Keith. Petra was there as well. Saw this man. This man attempts to follow Amy back to her car. They get in the car. They have their bags packed. Or the, yeah, they already had their bags downstairs. They get in their car and this guy goes and gets into a truck. Well, as he gets in the truck, they notice that there's another individual in the truck with him already in the passenger seat. So this other guy was waiting in the car. And watching. Yes. Yeah. So then this car follows them, is driving erratically behind them, speeding up. And at one point, Keith was under the impression that, hey, this guy is going to ram us and we're going to go off the road and it's going to be a dangerous situation. So they end up escaping from this guy. They lost him somewhere in the traffic from what I gathered. You know how much of a public scene I would make? I'm just, I, I have like this like angry fantasy now of just trying to fight the fucking men in black. I'm here for it. I want to see it. I, I will fight them. Yeah. Don't I, do it. Actually. I want to do it. I want, I want to fight you. Well, so here's the thing that bothered me is the UFO researchers have been on quite a few different news programs and a big aspect of them saying that they think the Rileyans is maybe making this up is they said, well, why didn't they call us first? And why was, the fuck would they call you first? Exactly. Why the fuck would they call someone that they don't really know or trust or, or someone who's kind of treating them like dog shit up to yeah. this point? Like what are you going to do to protect them? Exactly. And they also, at this point, if you are not into ufology, you have no reason to connect the two. Like none whatsoever, apart from it was a strange occurrence. And this is another strange occurrence. So I guess you could make that leap in your head, but if she didn't feel necessarily threatened by the aliens, why would she assume that they are men in black, which are notoriously connected with aliens. Exactly. And with UFO sightings. Yeah. So she's probably assuming it's either a government, which she might be right. She might not be right. Or just because their name is in public, she thinks that someone's going crazy and trying to kill her. Exactly. And that's the thing is uh, Joe Rogan talks about this a lot. So does uh, Dan Aykroyd. A lot of folks are, have hit this on the head. The, the UFO field does attract a certain, uh, a certain amount of paranoid schizophrenics. And there are dozens of cases of these paranoid schizophrenics identifying with a case, rather that because it's a voice Resonating. in their head, it resonates with them, and they want to involve themselves, and they will do so by any means necessary. This is a thing that's been happening since the 50s till now. It's still occurring in 2022. I understand the fear. 
Now, I do have to acknowledge this is a very controversial story, and it's controversial because depending on what news outlet you you hear, some people claim to have the inside scoop for the Rylance story and say, Keith told us this happened. This is what they said they made up. Petra said this. And then you have Amy, you have Petra, you have Keith who are saying, no, I didn't talk to this news outlet. I don't know who these are. This is an online internet you know, group from the States. I've never been to Connecticut. Where are they getting this information? It's fucking made up. It's false. But then you have the news source saying, we talked to you on Skype. We talked to you on the phone. Like, we got this information from you directly. What are you talking about? And it's a who are you going to believe? Someone who had a crazy UFO experience? Or are you going to believe a news outlet who, to the public's eye, is going to do everything by the book? When yeah. we all know people will do a lot of crazy things if they think money is involved or power or exactly. fame is involved. And this is one of those things where, again, I, I just I have to bring it, I have to preface that because some people are going to say, Bob, you missed X, Y, and Z of the story. You're right. I didn't include every detail. Because out of the 15 articles over the past two weeks that I've read about this case, I stuck with the one that had the most details in common with the other ones. Because when you ever have those overlapping details, those tend to be the truthful ones. Because you, there were some articles who said, hey, we had a one-on-one sit-down with Amy on video. We don't have the video to show you, but trust me, we have it. We did it. These Now, this is the transcript. And it's like, well, I, I don't believe that. And, and those ones that claim to have the video transcripts are the ones where Amy explains that she was probed or the aliens have come back to contact her or she hears them while she's sleeping or she had a relationship with the aliens. Like people definitely went very tabloid with this case. And it was something that I haven't ever seen before, especially in a case that's not widely talked about quite like this one. Well, I don't know if we'll actually see that kind of stuff again, because there are people out there now who you don't have to make up the story. You don't have to make up the headline or the details that they're telling you. Cause there's people literally the girl who just got married to a ghost. Yeah. Or the ones that say that they have alien boyfriends and things like that, which funny, funnily enough, I actually listened to while playing no man's sky. I'm like, man, well, <laughs> aren't you living the high life? No, I, I yeah. it's just crazy. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know if we'll see that kind of thing again. So with that being said, before we go, what are your thoughts on this story? Do you think, I mean, it does, there's something, something's off about this, right? Like I'm not, am I alone in thinking that? No, something's definitely off, but I honestly, in my opinion, don't think it's on her or her family. I think it definitely came from the misinformation and the, the, the convoluted storytelling that came after her case. I would completely agree with that. So with that being said, Miss Brittany, I don't have anything else to add. Just make sure you guys check out patreon.com slash Tales from the Dark. Check Tales from the Dark.net on the 15th for the new t-shirt drop. Go check right out, now. Go right now for te- uh, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt. Biz- Big Hunter. And make sure you guys are checking out Tales from the Dark True Crime. It is returning on September 15th. And it if you thought season one was crazy, you've seen nothing yet. So with that being said, Miss Brittany, do you have anything else you want to add? I do not. Okay, well, I think we're going to have to add the uh, the UFO abduction of Amy Rylance to our never-ending, but our always-growing Tales from the Dark.
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.